So this is an episode that we originally recorded in September of 2022, which was a minute ago. And then I put into the vault to wait for the documentary to release. And uh, then it did. And then it just needed to get scheduled. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Road Short. I'm an academic activist, occasional artist, and white queer trans woman whose pronouns are she, her. I also love sports. This is Most Valuable Teammate, a totally trans podcast where I talk to trans athletes about what they love to do and watch, and what they get from competition and play. I'm really excited about my guest this week, so without further ado, who the heck are you? Um, hi, um, my name is Apayao Gretan. Um, I'm a trans woman. I uh, use she/her pronouns. Um, I'm Inupiaq, um, which is a, a native uh, indigenous from uh, Alaska, um, and also a Norwegian. Uh, so my mom is from Kaktovik, and my dad is from Norway. Um, and I am a dog musher. I guess that's the notable part uh, that I do. Um, but I also enjoy uh, climbing and uh, kayaking and uh, volleyball and also Super Smash Brothers Melee for the Nintendo GameCube. I'm mentioning it as a sport. Oh yes, e <laughs> esports. Something yeah. I I clearly I don't care about video games, but I hear that's a thing people enjoy greatly. It's like I have to move yeah. this cat. She will disrupt the recording at several points. Um. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, we love, and I have no idea how esports work. Um, I guess I don't have any idea how lots of sports work. How do you mush up a dog and what do you do with the resulting goo? Or that's not what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Racing them in teams. How does that work? Um, so, uh, dog racing, long distance sled dog racing is done with, um, usually Alaskan Huskies which are huskies that are their dogs that are descended from um ancient uh Inuit dogs and uh dogs from like indigenous peoples that they were using as transportation and um yeah nowadays uh, they're used for used for long distance racing and they've been uh bred for that and they're incredibly well adapted to to running long distances and uh and surviving the and thriving in the conditions that you find on a sled dog race. Um, and so I do. I have done um, the two longest, yeah, the two longest sled dog races in the world. Um, um, yeah, the Iditarod, which is a, a thousand miles um, or sixteen hundred kilometers, if you're from anywhere else than here. <laughs> um, and uh yeah so um the team is 14 dogs um and uh this year i spent about 13 13 days um i actually have it right here i think um yeah 13 days 8 hours 39 minutes and 30 13 seconds and uh i caught 37th place which is last place this year and that was in the i did a rod right or was that in <laughs> yeah a different yeah 
Um, so for people who aren't from uh, cold, icy countries that know what that... I feel like people know what the Iditarod is, though, right? But for the people who don't, what yeah. is the Iditarod? And also, how did you end up... Yeah, first, what is the Iditarod? And then how did you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to race the Iditarod, why not? And uh, decide that was a thing you could and wanted to do. Um. Yeah, so... The Iditarod is, yeah, like I said, a thousand mile sled dog race that goes from from uh, Nome to no, wait, no, wait, it doesn't. It goes from uh, Anchorage to Nome, uh, basically. Um, but in recent years, it's been, or for quite a few years, it's been like a ceremonial start in Anchorage, and then there's a restart in Willow, Alaska, where yeah, the actual race starts. And um, yeah, Why was it, was, it moved? Um, it's lack of trails between Anchorage and to where the rest of the trails are. It's not very, not very easy to... That makes sense. There's a certain spots where it's difficult. Um, so the restart is in Willow, just a ceremonial start in Anchorage. Yeah. So it's a really long, cold race. Lots of, how many, I guess 30 some people plus 14 times that many dogs competed this last year. Yeah. Um, um... yeah, yeah. It used to be it used to be a bit more competitors. It would be like some years it would be like eighty competitors and stuff. More than that, even. Uh, but it's been number of competitors has been going down um, recently. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, very very long. It's actually not that cold as far as sled dog races go. Um, there's like the Copper Basin three hundred is is more in the interior about it's around the copper river and that's usually colder and it's in february and Iditarod is in march and uh the yukon quest um is known for being colder uh more in the interior um but yukon quest isn't being arranged anymore um so yeah i did the yukon quest and the Iditarod in in 2019 um yeah so that was before i came out but i had already like realized that I was not cis. So I, I thought it was non-binary at the time, but I wasn't out to that many people. How, I guess, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. Do you know other trans or non-binary people who do, like, dog sled racing? Or is that, yeah. y- is it just mm-hmm. you? Because it um, seems like it's not a super big sports community. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty niche, it's a pretty niche community. Uh, pretty small amount of people in it um um but there there are there are other trans dog mushers um the first trans i did rod musher really? was uh quince mountain and uh i know him and uh i know his wife blair braveman they're really really nice people uh um yeah they're actually the ones that convinced me to make a twitter with my with my real name and my face i had a, i had a twitter before that was like anonymous but then they convinced me that oh Musher Twitter is a thing, and then then I made. Is my... Musher Twitter a thing? It's a thing. Yeah. Is there like a lot of? It's a thing. It's like it's its own little. What is what is the discourse on Musher Twitter? What is the the drama? I I don't really I don't really there there's there's not very much. Just chill vibes, dog dog pictures, coffee. Yeah. What what what's the vibe of Musher Twitter? Silly lo-fi silly dog beats. Pictures. I don't. That makes sense. <laughs> Seems like it'd be a lot of dog people. 
because it takes a lot of dogs. How did you end up, how did you get started in dog racing? Because it seems like it's a lot of dogs to have. Did you start with too many dogs? And then you're like, well, I need to put these to use. Or were you just like, well, Um, I would like to do this same thing and then built up to a team of 14 dogs. So I grew up in, or like I went to school and, and spent like the majority of my childhood in Norway, um, in a place called Nadjura, which is close to Rörus, which is close to Us, where I went to school. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a dog mushing kennel there. Um, my dad, my dad did. And, uh, tourism kennel. We'd take people out with the dog sleds to, to go on a dog sled trip. And, uh, yeah, we had like 50, 50 dogs there. And that would do the races in the, in Norway. There's races in Norway too. Um, the second, the second longest race is Finnmarksleppe, which is 1200 kilometers. Um, so it's, yeah, it's actually gotten longer, which is kind of cool. It's almost the same length as I did around now. And uh, it's uh, it's in the Arctic. Uh, the Iditarod actually does not cross the Arctic Circle. It's all below the Arctic Circle. That's good. There's bears there. I don't think you should. That's that's a language joke because Arctic just means bear. It's the bear circle. Uh, so you got started at a young age from with your <coughs> dad. How old were you the first time you mushed mushed? Mushed? Is that the verb? Is to mush the sled? Yeah. The dog? Do you mush the dog or the sled? Um, I think I usually say go going dog mushing. The first time I went dog mushing, I was, okay. I think I was four years old. Really? V- vague, That's so vague teeny. memories. It's like barely standing on a dog sled is some of my first memories. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way with like, uh, like ice skates. Some of my first memories are just like wearing those like two-bladed, do you know the, like, double-bladed baby ice skates? I'm sure you also got put in those when you were, like, not able to stand, and adults were just like, yeah, just strap this to the baby and then just give them a push. It's fine, they'll figure it out. Or is that a Canadian um, thing nope. that doesn't get translated to uh, uh, Norway and Alaska? I, I just I just had single-blade uh, single blade skates. We had hockey so skates. So presumably you were able to, like, stand and walk by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, child endangerment in Canada is a, a unique breed. Um, yeah. So, but taking a kiddo on a, a dog sled also seems like a really interesting way to grow up and an interesting oh, thing no, to be no, exposed no. to. No, 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 no. the first it, time it you was actually, me, like, raced. It was me on a tiny sled and with one dog and by myself. Like a toboggan or like a little tiny baby-sized dog sled? A toddler-sized dog sled. Oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Um, are there pictures, and why aren't they on Twitter? Because that's amazing. <laughs> um, I I have to ask. I have to ask mom and dad if they if they can send me some. Yeah, that's adorable. I guess though, can you? You maybe can't tell. Maybe it just looks like a really large dog, and then a normal sized person. Because presumably you're pretty bundled up, and at that point it's kind of hard to tell scale. Um, but that's uh, anywho. I don't know why I'm yeah, being I guess so weird would, today. Except just, for my facial features tell, telling you that I'm a toddler, it would kind of look like I had a very... Oh, you can see your little baby dog. face? So what was the first, like, competitive race you did in, you, where you mushed dogs? One of my one of my first mushing memories was a race. I think I was, I was maybe five? Anyway, um... So, like, immediately? 
yeah, against other five-year-olds or like other like a wider range other of other kids. kids yeah but um it was at a siberian club um and i had a alaska ski but they let me they let me compete anyway because they were nice uh, and i i won uh, that's probably the only dog machine competition i'll ever win <laughs> Oh, how do you how do you train for dog sledding? What is what are the things that help you get better at it and help you win? Um, oh Jesus! So obviously the actual mesh, like the the dog power that gets you there, isn't the dogs. So the main thing is training, feeding, breeding dogs. Uh, like selecting the the ones that are the best the best runners and yeah selecting the genetics how does so how does that so like most of the time you're just like raising doggos what do you do with the doggo do you end up with too many doggos i feel like you'd end up with too many doggos do the other ones is there like a secondary this doggo isn't cutting it for pulling sleds it is now going to be sold to some wine mom in northern california who wants a dog that's inappropriate for the climate she lives in or what I just, I just have no idea um, how any of this works. I'm sorry if I'm asking dumb questions. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hobby dog mushers who are happy to have like, even if the dog is not, even if the dog is not like run the Iditarod good, they're still from an Iditarod, Iditarod capable bloodlines and Iditarod dog machine kennel and, um, uh, yeah, and uh, we'd uh, when dogs are too old to keep racing we find uh find friends who can have them or as uh retirees as house dogs um yeah and how old are the dogs normally at the point where they're like too old to race competitively um some dogs are like there's like some some it's like rare but some dogs are like 10 years old and they're still doing the idea uh, uh like uh my boy apuk he's uh he's nine years old uh but he's retired now he could probably do one or two more, but he's my he's my couch my couch buddy now. <laughs> he he has been promoted to Snuggles. Yeah, um, he's actually my he's my first my first pet dog who who is not going to be racing. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah. So, what are out, outside of hanging out with a bunch of um, fuzzy buds? What are that's a weird way to describe dogs? I regret <laughs> that sentence. <laughs> outside of hanging out with a bunch of puppies. What are the other things that you really enjoy about dog mushing as a sport and are the things that make you like excited and be like, yeah, I'm going to do this and go and uh, do this. What's this sort of thing that they used to write bizarre novels about as like a challenging human endeavor? What what draws you to that? Um, It's a really beautiful way to travel across some really beautiful country. Um. And uh, yeah, because I'm I'm in Nupiak, so so it's sort of a a thing that my ancest my ancestors used to to travel, and it sort of feels it feels like I'm reconnecting when I'm when I'm out there mushing, and it's just incredibly incredibly beautiful sometimes. But it's also very challenging, but in a way that yeah, it's incredibly rewarding. Like it's uh it's hard to describe. Because it's, it's like the fastest, the fastest guys and girls, they, they do it in like 
nine days and something hours. Uh, How fast does this sled go? Like, what's like your what's your personal like max speed? And then what would be like a speed that you're like, if I ever got up to this, I'd be like over the moon. Um, so like in the downhills, it can be like I have to do conversion. Wait, you could give it in metric oh, yeah, yeah. or something. So like and- over over twenty kilometers an hour. You're obviously trying to brake when you're going downhill because yeah. You want to keep the sled from hitting your dogs. So you do that by braking so that even though you're going really fast down the hill, the dogs are still going faster than you. So you're always braking going down so the hill. So that would be like like 12-ish miles per hour. Yeah. Um, which is like double average human running speed, which is impressive. Yeah. How long do you... I, I'm sorry. I have other questions i want to get to and we have like 10 minutes i just have so many logistic Um, questions about about dog racing that i can maybe ask later fast a fast cruising speed would be like nine miles an hour that's like the really fast teams are going yeah like that across the flat or like average speeds but that's really really fast really cool um so do you watch dog racing as well is it a good spectator sport i feel like it would be a and it would be an easy sport to follow, maybe, but it seems like as a spectator sport, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's a lot of like vast distances, kind of like a lot of like long distance bike races are really kind of like check in every few hours. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a like a check in every few hours. And but you see like the strategies are developing, but it's like a long running, mm-hmm. it's a long running thing. It's a race that takes nine days and something hours for the for the winners to get across the finish line yeah but uh, a lot of people enjoy watching they follow the trackers and iditarod actually yeah iditarod has video they have like crews that go out and and film so there was like people on twitter that were like a bunch of people on twitter who were excited about or watching my tracker even though i was in last place uh and uh yeah watching the watching the live stream what's going on in the checkpoint are there other People sports see you, how... like, you personally like to watch outside of, like, what are the things that you're a fan of outside of uh, dog mushing that you're like, I think this is just cool? Yeah. Um, or I really is it all enjoy... dogs all the time? I really enjoy watching um, climbing. Climbing is fun to watch. And obviously Super Smash Bros. Melee. Uh, that's an eSport. Uh, what other sports do I like to watch? If there's, like, World Cup or something, soccer that's like really big and if it's on i'll watch it it's not like i go out of my way to watch it but yeah it's fun i will watch it if if it's on if there's like yeah and uh did you yeah i think I had did you play soccer or any of those sports growing up yeah i played soccer um i also played handball i played a lot of volleyball um through various at various times how do you feel um like um, i also did gymnastics that was fun you did gymnastics? Wait, how long did you do gymnastics? Yeah. I was going to ask a serious question. Now I'm distracted again because I love doing gymnastics. It was really fun. Yeah. So I, I was doing d- gymnastics a few years in high school. Um, yeah, is that I high school? I feel like that's a big trend. Middle girl's school. Sport. I was like 15, 16. That's when, I, that's when I did gymnastics. I wasn't very good, but I had fun with it. I was terrible. Absolutely horrible person. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> um, so, do you feel like dog mushing or gymnastics or soccer or any of these other things that you've played have helped you grow as a person or like um helped you develop skills that help 
you be sort of a better, happier, more you, you in other areas of your life? I mean, I think definitely being someone who, being someone who can do the Iditarod, like for me, it's sort of been, it's sort of always been something that I've, like in the back of my mind all the time growing up, was like, oh, I'm going to do the Iditarod someday. And just, yeah, after I finished after I finished high school, I went to Alaska for, for the winter and I did qualifying races and then went back to Norway for a year of folk school. And then after I was done with that, I went back and, and did the Yukon Quest and the Iditarod. And also, like, in 2017, uh, me and my dad, we mushed the dogs from Nome to Kaktovik. We mushed home, which is longer than a thousand miles, but we weren't racing. So we, and we had a snow machine with a big freight sled. So we had like a big tent and we had a real comfortable, nice time traveling. But it's sort of always been like a thing that I've been working towards, sort of. And I don't, I don't think I would be, I wouldn't be the kind of person that I am if, if I hadn't been, if I hadn't been doing that. If I hadn't been, and if I hadn't done that, it's, I feel like it definitely changes you as a person. Uh, doing the Iditarod is, it's like a, a life achievement, especially like the first, the first time or the first couple of times. Yeah, no, that's a big life achievement. Uh, do you feel like it helps you sort of view, how has it that changed like how you view other big life achievements and big challenges? Does it make them seem like more surmountable or like... Um, I don't know. I feel like that would really change my perspective on myself if I did something like that. Though I'm like horrible at long distance sports. Like I was a sprinter. I love going very, very fast for like a short period of time and then literally passing out. Um, and I feel like it would shift my perspective if I could like run a marathon or go a thousand miles with dogs. That's such a human accomplishment. How does that change how you view other challenges? It sort of it sort of makes it sort of makes everyday challenges seem very trivial. Like Yeah. Why am I struggling with this? I did the fucking I did roll. What 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 is what is this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um That's very fair. It like gives you perspective. Yeah. Um did you have any like uh like heroes or people you looked looked up to in dog racing that you kind of like draw inspiration from that like helped you get through sort of the the lead up and then going through the Iditarod or just motivate you in your day to day day life? Um <clears throat> so I have a, a pretty big pretty big list here. So obviously I have to start with my with my dad. because <laughs> uh, 'cause he taught me pretty much everything that I know and and he's really supportive and that's uh that's something that sadly is not it's not the case for a lot of trans people that their parents support them but my dad my dad's really proud of me and and he didn't didn't like change like our relationship is not very different it's 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 much stronger since i came out um but i guess yeah that's also because i'm older now i guess but uh yeah he taught me so much it was like all those trips we would take just in the mountains by fucking fridge so annoying anyway yeah so all the all the trips we went on it was like training without realizing it was training we were like doing it for fun but i was also like getting an education in something that not a lot of not a lot of people get that from such an early age for to get to do it every 
every winter and to have that much experience in it. Um, yeah, and he and he did the he did the Adira four times in the nineties and and another three times. Uh, I think it was twenty fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, and yeah, and also uh, recently Lance Mackey passed away and he uh, he he won the Adira four times in a row um, and and the Yukon Quest four times in a row and two of those times it was the same year so it was like winning. He won the quest two years in a row, and then won the quest and the Iditarod for two years in a row, and then he kept winning the Iditarod for a couple of more years, which is absolutely incredible. And he was an incredibly nice guy. Like, I would, me and my dad, we would go and visit him, and it was just like le- legendary guy, Lance Mackey. He's won fucking four times. And we'd just be at his house, and he would be super nice and super friendly, and yeah, he will be... You will be missed by lots of people. Um, do you, do you feel like you because um, you mentioned that there are some other trans uh, dog mushers? Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel though like you kind of get to be a bit of a role model? Are there a younger trans woman, or presumably you're probably the youngest trans woman out doing the Iditarod by quite some margin? Only um, there's you're been... also a, it's my understanding the you're the one. first trans woman to complete yeah um yeah yeah, so you're the first trans woman to to complete the Iditarod do you ever think about how you are potentially a role model for like a next generation which is something I always think is really interesting because right now we're in this era where there's a lot of like first out trans women doing things yeah and um we kind of had no trans role models and then we have to kind of navigate being one um yeah is that a thing you've had to deal with yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's something that I've had to deal with, really. It's more more of a reason why I did it. Um, so yeah. part of the reason why I did the Yukon Quest and the Iditarod in the same year as a rookie, which is, I was the third person to ever do that. Um, and also the youngest, if you want to like choose a metric that makes me the most of something. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I had sort of did that because I wanted to have a great like a pretty cool achievement that I could like say, oh wow, I did that, and and I would be okay if I never did dog mushing again. That would have been something cool that I could talk tell about for the rest of my life. Because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to transition, and I'm not going to be doing this sort of stuff anymore. But then, but then I was thinking, what is the what is the one thing that I can do with my life to to help as many trans people are the biggest thing that I can do for trans rights with my life. And I I decided, like, coming out fully to everyone and doing the Iditarod again and make a documentary about it. That was, like, bullet point list. Biggest things I can do for trans rights with my, with my life and the capabilities that I have. And then, and then I, I did it! <laughs> it's fucking it's so it felt like when I was like going through some of the stuff and I did around this year it felt like I had plot armor and it felt scripted yeah <laughs> yeah yeah was... can you can you explain that a bit more what do you mean by that so there were there were some pretty bad blizzards this year that a lot of a lot of great and skilled dog mushers they had to scratch which means uh quit the race 
because um, he needed help because of the storms. And they were just unlucky about the timing. They got hit by the worst parts of the storm. And I just... We were in some storms, but they were never as bad as when the people who had to scratch were in the storms. And mm. I also finished with less dogs than I did in 2019. I finished with... I think I finished with... Was it six or seven? Anyway, in 2019, I finished with 11. And at the, when I left where I did my 24-hour, which was like 340 miles into the race or something like that, I was leaving the checkpoint with less dogs than I finished with in 2019. Because um, when a dog, if they have like a sore shoulder or sore wrist, um, and we can see they're limping, we put them in the sled bag uh, and they get a ride to, to the checkpoint. And then we tell the vet, hey, I have a dog who has a sore, sore wrist or shoulder or whatever it is. And then the vets will take care of them and they will be flown out to uh, to people who will take care of them in Anchorage or in Nome. But you don't get to add them back into your team. So you start with 14 and then if there's any injuries or um, if they're not eating great and they're not keeping their weight, then uh, that's the reason why some of them uh, get returned. Or if they're sick, uh, if they get sick, uh, they get returned. So yeah, I had less dogs leaving before the halfway mark than I had finished with in 2019. So it wasn't, it wasn't as... So you really persevered through. Yeah. I always knew that, I always knew that we could, but it was not as certain as in 2019. In 2019, it was like the dogs were, I had a lot more experienced dogs and, and a lot of those dogs retired in between uh, 2019 and 2022. So I had a lot more, more dogs. I was running with um, Yor Ulsum's uh, B team, his young dogs, and a few of my own dogs. So I had Apuk and Kent and Miles, and those were the only dogs that were my dogs, and the rest of the team was Yor's dogs. Yor Ulsum, uh, he's a Norwegian musher. He's uh, he's one day I did rod. He's a really, really good dog musher. And yeah, so I was running a lot of his uh. his young dogs, and yeah, we got unlucky with a lot of shoulders and wrists due to punchy snow uh it was really warm in the days and they would like their leg would punch through the snow and they would get like a ouchie in their shoulder or their wrist and they'd have to be returned uh, so we're over on time is there any specific thing you wanted to talk about from the stuff i said sent to you before before we move on to the wrapping up question um yeah which was the one I can do an intro into it and then just edit it so it looks like I brought it up. Yeah, um, I am. I'm trying to think which 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 part. Oh, also, um, I'm. I was very inspired by a lot of the female dog mushers, especially like the Norwegian musher Sigri Ekram. She is a top level mm-hmm. top level musher in Norway, and I w- I would go to some of the dog races in Norway as a kid and. And she was just, she would just like be around and she was like super friendly to me ever since I was like a little kid, uh, which was, which was so cool. It was just like, oh, there's Tigre Ekran. Hi. And then she would, yeah, just be nice and talk to me, which was fun. Um, and yeah, there's a, a lot of great female dog mushers, uh, in, in Alaska too, um, who do like top 10 in I Did Rod, which is, which is really cool. And another thing with, uh, Long distance um, sled dog racing is that there's no there's no gendered categories um, and there's been there's been female I did rod champions 
which I think is really cool. Yeah, there's uh, obviously like legends like Susan Butcher. I think she won four times, which is really amazing. Really cool. Um, uh, yeah, I I always find co-ed sports in general really interesting. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary gender segregation in sports that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, with still other oh, conversation. Um, oh, a quick thing. I <clears throat> So I started HRT in August of the like August 23, 2021 and that was part of what I I wanted to like prove prove to myself and to the world that I could could do the Iditarod on HRT. Uh, it was it was not easy. It got one of the effects of estrogen HRT is that you get cold a lot easier and yeah. it's not a very convenient trait to get. Um I got frostbite on my face for the first time during Iditarod. Never really had frostbite on my face before. I and also like got physically weaker, but I was I could like definitely feel that it was harder to physically do the stuff. Uh, but I was still able to yeah. do it, which which I obviously knew because cis girls also do it. But yeah, I'm still pretty proud of that. I did. I started HRT before Iditarod. I had been on it for like six or seven months. When when it was I did rob time. What do you wish more people understood about you as like an athlete or a human? Um, I'm trying to okay. I look at what looking at what I wrote down. Um, I wish I I wish people would know how how big of a deal I thought it would be to come out. Even though in my case it it turned out to not be a very big deal. Mm-hmm. I was I was willing to to be to be my true self even if i would lose family or be excluded from the activities and sports that i enjoy i was prepared to completely like lose this this side of my life entirely and and just like be a normal normal person like living in the city having a job um but it turned out that i could keep doing those things and it went very well for me but i was I was prepared to to lose family and and friends and but I guess I had I got lucky with my family and I chose good friends so it went very well for me there wasn't I didn't lose as much as a lot of trans people do but it was in it was yeah it wasn't easy yeah. it was scarier to come out than to do the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest in the same year as a rookie I did that and I was still in the closet because it was scary to come out yeah, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people um, don't think about, especially when everything does, for the most part, work out and you have a relatively, uh, let's say, tragedy-free <laughs> coming out. Yeah. Um, it still doesn't take away kind of like the anxiety going into that and the fact that like it feels like a real roll of the dice. I'm happy it's gone well for you and you've been able to do these amazing things um, and really inspire hopefully a next generation and get those race numbers up and um, inspire an entire generation of little trans girls to uh, get 14 dogs and (laughs) strap them to a vehicle. Uh, So where can people find you online? And do you have any things you need to plug? Do you plug things? Do you have pluggable things? Yeah. Um, So my Twitter at is Apayauk and the number one. Uh, 
That's A P. And can you spell yeah. that for? Oh, you're already doing yeah. it. <laughs> it's A P A Y A U Q one. Uh, that's my that's my Twitter handle, and my Instagram is Husky Derp, and <laughs> my web my website is apoyaukfoto.com. Um, and the documentary to to follow updates about the documentary follow Fieldwork Creative uh, on Instagram, or you can. Just Google Fieldwork Creative. And yeah. I'm going to make a note of that really quick. Well, um, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I is really it, appreciate you. Is there anything you. that we, is there any like specific thing that we like missed that would be quick that you're wanting to add? No, I think we nailed it. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, so thank you for being my guest. And Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to MVT, a totally trans podcast about our most valuable teammate. I am Ada Rhodes Short. Find me on Twitter at the Ada Rhodes. That is the underscore A-D-A underscore R-H-O-D-E-S. Make sure to listen to all of our shows, including Henry with a totally trans minisode, Katie with a new season of Our Sacred History, and Jack's solo journey through the multiverse on transmissions from another Earth origin story. All Totally Trans shows are supported by our Patreon that can be found at patreon.com backslash totallytrans. Back us at $5 or more and you can access our Discord server to chat about the episodes as they come out. Or play Jackbox games with us when we actually do that. I promise we'll do it soon. Also, if you back us at $3 or more, you can just watch us play them via a live stream. Please subscribe to Totally Trans wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because podcasting is a competitive sport and I want to win it. And... Until next week, have fun and play fair.